awesome to be in the presence of God. And uh, I'm excited for the season um, because things aren't going so well out there in the world. Uh, and you know, that's always the time that God raises up a new generation of spiritual giants. People who never, ever thought that God would use them in ministry. And I'm not just talking about full-time ministry. We can't all be in full-time. But um, it's when we have courageous faith, we're able to overcome the enemy and see deliverance and victory. Uh, whether it's your family, hopefully always your family, your community, your city, the nation, and the church. Are you excited about what God's doing? Listen, I wouldn't like not to be a Christian. I don't know if you're not a Christian, how you overcome anxiety and all that stuff. Um, what do you see in the future? But I see a bright future. Uh, what, did, what does the Word of God tell us in Isaiah? Arise and shine, for your light has come. So we're talking about running with giants. Um, our giant today is Gideon. Uh, yes, and our goal is to learn truth from the way they exercise courageous faith. More than that, their journey of faith, okay? Um, that's so important to know that faith is a journey. And when we look at their lives, we also look at their weaknesses as well as their strengths. There's so much to learn. And I think the greatest lesson is that we are all absolutely nothing without God, without His presence, without His strength, without His miraculous gifting. And I want to encourage you, if you're trying to make it on your own, give up. <laughs> Just allow God to begin to activate um, a supernatural courage inside of you. You know, with Gideon, when God called him, um, this is what it says in verse 16 of chapter 6. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you are fighting one man. I will be with you. It's the same thing God said to Moses. And I don't know where you are in life at the moment. My message to you is the same. God is with you. Isn't that awesome? Um, so Gideon's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, which is obviously the ultimate uh, passage of Scripture about faith. And this is what it says in verses 32 to 34. How much more do I need to say, says the writer. It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. None of them started off as rulers. None of them started off as heroes. They were ordinary people. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. You know, sometimes we are in a situation of danger, but God is the one who takes us through to victory. And then he says this, their weaknesses, their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. You might say to me, Graham, I want to be strong. You become strong in battle. 
<laughs> when you take up the sword of the Spirit, when you begin to minister, you begin to see the workplace uh, as something that can be one for God, the whole workplace. School. I remember Leanne, when she was a matric, she was a prefect, and uh, she decided by God's grace, the whole prefect body would come to God that year. Twelve prefects came to Christ. It was exciting. I wonder, are you excited about where God has placed you? You might say, this is the worst workplace in the world. Well, it's the place where God wants to win souls. So I want you just to think about that, that we're called to be um, giants, spiritual giants, wherever God has placed us. What, what is the biggest lesson, I think, from Gideon? Is that God loves to raise a new generation of giants in the midst of of chaos, defeat, oppression, and failure. You see, on the one hand, we're called to cry out to God, and secondly, we've got to hear the voice when God calls us to be the one who brings deliverance. The story of, of Gideon, briefly, after, after Joshua, the, um, the Israelites went through cycles of serving God, loving God, then turning to sin, Let's be honest, the greatest sin is losing our passion for God, becoming involved in other things. Whenever that happened, they began to live in their own strength. The power of God wasn't with them, and they would be defeated by the enemy and brought into servitude. They would cry out to God, God would deliver them, and the cycle started again. I honestly believe in my heart that this is a great chance to end that cycle. Amen that if Jesus tarries and doesn't come soon, that your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren will continue to serve God. So what happened with Gideon was in the middle of this whole uh, uh, season of history. And the Midianites had been allowed by God to, to control the Israelites. They were devils. They came, uh, Judges 6 says, in hordes, and they were vicious and unrelenting, and they would take all their food away. You've got to know what it is when you have no food. Um, basically, the sheep, the donkeys, and the goats would be taken. They would either take the crops or destroy the crops. Uh, we see this in battle. If soldiers don't have food, as the Russian soldiers we hear don't have, that they're being beaten up by the Ukrainians. And what happened was the Israelites were living in caves, absolutely the opposite of what God had called them into. And they were crying out to God, and God called Gideon. Um, and Gideon was absolutely nowhere when God called him. And we're going to read what happened when the angel of the Lord spoke to him. But in the final analysis, Gideon grew in faith, then he took 300 soldiers into battle. They had no weapons that one would normally use, and they routed an army of hundreds of thousands. Now, that all sounds like a fairy tale, doesn't it? And after that victory, he became the ruler or the judge, and he served the people for 40 years, and there was peace for 40 years. So in that context... We're going to look at his story and see what it is that we can learn from it. So I'm going to read a passage from Judges 6, from verse 11. 
Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So obviously they now had to learn uh, different ways of keeping their food. Okay. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Guys, I want you to know that the first thing God says to us is I'm with you. Guys, if you miss that message, you're probably going to continue in your stress and anxiety. Sir, Gideon replied. Remember, he doesn't know who this person is who's speaking to him. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him. See, the angel of the Lord didn't get upset, wasn't offended, didn't start shouting at him, and said, go with the strength you have. Do you know that you have way more strength than you think you have? Sometimes as Christians, we psych ourselves out and we say, I can't do it. And God is saying, go with the strength. You see, when you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into you and He gives you strength. And He says, and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. Guys, do you know that you've been sent? Does it matter that you're here today? Or could you have been born in the 1500s? Do you think it's an accident that God just said, oops, we're having all these babies born? When were you guys born? 1975? Oh, my heck, we just got all these babies in 75. I don't have a plan for them. That's not the Word of God. You do know that, don't you? Um, then the Lord said to him, go in the strength you have, rescue Israel. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? You might say to me, Graham, how can I be effective in this world that we're living in? And this is what the answer is. Well, sorry, this is what he continued to say. My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. In other words, I'm the bottom of the barrel. There's nobody more, more, just, I don't know, just insignificant than me. I had the least influence. Nobody wants to listen to me. How can I do this thing you're telling me to do? How often as Christians, we just think, I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not powerful enough. And my character isn't formed enough. How can I do great things for God? The Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting one man. So let's get some points out of this. Remember, we want to discover truth that's going to help us to grow into men and women who are giants. Guys, we're far too used to being spectators. We rave and rant at the Springboks. You're either at the game or you're watching on your TV. God is saying, I don't want you to be a spectator. I want you to be on the battlefield. I want you to be on the, playing, on the playing field. I want you to win with me. First thing, it takes courageous faith to hear and obey the call of God. You've got to understand, Gideon had every reason not to obey God. 
as you and I have. Absolutely. I would be shocked if you didn't have a reason. Is that true? But you know what? I've discovered over many years in the ministry, many are called, but few are chosen. You see, God chooses us because He knows everything and He knows how we're going to respond. How many people have I prayed over? How many people has God shown me have a calling? Most of them do not have the courage or do not release the courage to obey God. I want to encourage you. I don't know what it is that God has for you. Can you become courageous? See, the courage is already there. He had zero influence. You say, Graham, I can't be a, I can't be a, a view group leader. I'm not influential. Well, you know what? The love of God is in you, and the best way to influence people is to love them. Have you ever been to a church when I'm conscious? I'm just sick and tired of all this love. I just can't handle love. This love is driving me crazy. I'm not talking about obsession. Some people are obsessed about you. But, but guys, you can be influential. Secondly, because God is love, He sees the best in every person. Guys, this is the truth, despite weakness and failure. And He's positive about the future He's planned for us. With Gideon, he did not become offended. He said, no, 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 no. You're going to do it. Gideon was whining. He was ranting. Let me just read to you 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7. The Lord, Lord, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Doesn't the Bible say God is love? God's love endures. It's always hopeful. You might say, Graham, I've got such a bad track record. God's love for you has never changed. His calling has never been recalled. Okay, that's so important. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. The, the, the Israelites have been taken into bondage. They were in Babylon. They were struggling. And this is what the Word of God says. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Have you ever had those days when everything goes wrong and you go wrong and you, you kick the dog, shout at the kids, um, fight with a boss, sulky with clients, whatever it is, it's just a bad day. Isn't it wonderful to know that God's mercies are new every morning? I love to wake up the next morning. I then say, okay, fine, I'm going to sleep. The next morning, I know that His mercies begin afresh. I can say, sorry, God. I let you down. I let my husband down, my wife down. I let the kids down. I let the dog down. Shout at the dog. Kick the dog. Hopefully you're not kicking the dog here, okay? Don't, don't ever kick the dog. Remember, God is an animal lover, okay? There's a story. What was it, the story? Well, one of the Bible stories, it talks about God saving the animals. Okay. Sorry, that's not in my notes. I don't know where it's done. Not in my notes. I'm rambling. I'm rambling. What I'm saying is, that even when you have a bad day, God still sees the best. He still has a great plan for you. Now, of course, the angel of the Lord, he can see the stressed out Gideon. He's got a smile on his face. He says, good morning, uh, Gideon. He's cheerful. He's encouraging. He says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. 
in his pity party, he just, his eyes narrow into slits and he looks at this guy. Have you ever been put off by somebody who's cheerful when you're down? And you say, don't patronize me. Don't conscripture at me. Don't tell me it's all going to be fine. People say, no, man, man, just trust God. Like, yeah, right. You don't have my problems. Yeah. Because in our pity party, we want someone to say, yes, everything is bad. It's bad. But he was cheerful. And boy, did he get it from Gideon. You know, from the day sin entered into the world, negativity, negativity came with sin. Even the first two brothers ended up in such a bad relationship that one killed the other. And pressure comes from the external and the internal. There's criticism, there's mocking, there's jeering, there's competition. I don't know what led Gideon to say that his clan yeah, was the weakest. I don't know. People were, were, people were criticizing. I don't know. But, you know, sometimes we can be in that same situation. And then, of course, he declared that he was the least. Boy, that is low self-esteem. I don't know if any of you have said, you know, I'm the least person in Cape Town. There's five million here, and I'm five million and one. I'm right down there. And, you know, there's a lot of suicide taking place. We're burying people who've taken their life, teenagers. And that's so sad to get to a point where you just feel you have no value. There's no, God has no plan for you. It's not worth living. I'm the excess child. How many of you are a middle child and you've got a middle child syndrome? Be honest, you're in the house of God. Raise your hand. You just feel the middle child. See, there's somebody who's honest. I don't know whether Gideon suffered from middle child syndrome. Anyway, he just felt that he was down there. And you see, when we live in that kind of perspective, we can't do anything for God. Fortunately, Gideon didn't stay there. <laughs> Even though he still felt grumpy, he began to exercise courage. So you're feeling grumpy, you're feeling down, depressed, overlooked. You see, I don't know why he was overlooked for the army. Maybe they thought he wasn't good enough to teach how to throw a spear or shoot an arrow. Maybe he went for an army test and shot the sergeant in the foot. I don't know. <laughs> You've got to know how dangerous it is for someone to pick up a rifle for the first time if they've never shot before. I don't know what happened. I just know that he thought he was the last person who could ever be a giant. Is that you today? I've got news for you. You're the kind of person God is looking for because God can make you into the person he wanted to be. Awesome. Then, guys, listen, this does not make sense to you. Until we begin to activate our courage. Our calling and our supernatural gifts lie dormant. Do you know that with Moses, the Red Sea only parted when he put his foot into that flooding sea. I want to ask you, you say, Graham, you are, I'm not ready yet, and you know, I've got too many kids, and I haven't studied yet, haven't done this, not that. I need to go on a course. Uh, I need to be helped by psychologists. There's a whole lot of things you may need. But while you... Refuse to activate that courage. You won't even know what God has put inside of you. 
Gideon didn't have a cooking clue. Crazy. And you know what? When you're like that, you end up hiding in plain sight. Do you know the whole story? It begins with this tree. Now, what they would do was when it came to um, the wine press, they would dig a hole in a rock, and there would always be trees around because it had to be cool. But the threshing floor, sorry, threshing floor, was always in the open so that the wind would blow the chaff away and just leave the wheat. But they were clever. He hid in a wine press, and the Midianites didn't even think to look for somebody threshing wheat there. I want to ask you, are you hiding in plain sight? Think about it. Gideon was working. He was doing his bit for the family and the nation. But it wasn't what God had called him to be. He was hiding from God. And I have such a belief that God is going to bring revival. Prophecies have been around for decades. What God's going to do in and through people in Cape Town. I've, man, I, I can't even begin to tell you that prophecies and words that have just come out of the blue for our area. But remember this, coming right back to the start of the story, when a nation or a city or a people cry for deliverance, God raises up people. Now, we're not in the, in, in the dispensation where God just uses individuals. We're in the dispensation of the church. Remember, we're the body of Christ. God is going to use us together. But you folk can't hide in plain sight. You've got to come out and say, God, I've always had the sense that I'd like to pray for the sick. You know, the first time I prayed for the sick, the person went to hospital and they told me about it. You prayed for me and I went to hospital. So what? Just carry on. Pray for people till someone gets healed and you can grow your faith. Awesome. Okay. That's just leaving it there. I can still see. I can picture it. That person giving me that look. Yeah, you prayed me into hospital. Okay. So will you remember that? Gideon had to activate his courage. Awesome. Then, moving on, because we don't have a lot of time left. If you believe that God has called you to be a spiritual giant, you have to engage with miracles. You can't say, I say to you, have you got a testimony? Nah. You've got to have a miracle at your fingertips. Why? Because we serve a God of miracles. There's a difference between expectations and expectancy. Sometimes we have expectations. We say, God, I want that. Please do that. And when it doesn't happen, we lose faith. Now, at the wrong season, before, God, before Israel began to cry out, they wanted God to do something. It wasn't the right timing. If you ask God to do something and the timing was wrong, and then you lose faith. But what I'm asking you is to, is to be pleasantly surprised by what God does, the good things. See, that's the spirit of expectancy. I'm expecting God to bless or to undertake in His way and in His timing. Um, and we, we had a, a kind of bad experience. Um, I don't, know, don't want to share it. Stuff that happened. And, you know, I still remember ending up praying and, and, and singing a song, God is good, God is good, God is good. Then what happened? Are, are we, have we, as the microphone said, 
Good night. I, my, I had to fetch my mother-in-law on Tuesday from the Johannesburg airport. She's semi-blind, in a wheelchair, coming back from an overseas trip. There's masses of people in the airport. Let me tell you, everything has gone back to normal. We miss our flight back to Cape Town. I then discover, after going from airway office or kiosk to kiosk, that there's not a single ticket to Cape Town this week. In fact, we tried to go from Skakusa, Bloemfontein, George, anywhere. There's no tickets. I'm sitting with a mother-in-law with all her cases from a holiday, and she's in a wheelchair. Jenny tries to get a ticket. She uses a travel agency. That travel agent couldn't find a ticket. Do you know why? Because there were no tickets. Turn the person next to you and say there were no tickets. <laughs> so I said, can you please take me down to Wimpy? I ordered a hot cup of coffee and pancakes, which I don't normally have, flapjacks, with a bottle of syrup, and I just poured more syrup on. I said, I need sugar. Well, I don't know why I needed sugar. Relaxing. Do you know what? On some arbitrary, weird website, Jenny found two tickets on a flight where I just half an hour before spoke, and they said, we do not have a single ticket. Two tickets back to Cape Town. And you know, since then, every time I, I just think about it, I just think, you know what, God, you were there. You were present. You got me back to Cape Town. But wh why am I telling you the story? Because we don't have time. There was one miracle after miracle in Gideon's experience. And what he did was he used miracles to build his faith. Sometimes we see a miracle and we forget about it and we're back to zero. You know, he got a group of people coming, 32,000 of them. He said, we'll fight. He had an attack of nerves. He said, okay, God, go, God, I want a miracle. I'm going to put an animal fleece out. And if the next morning the fleece is wet and the ground is dry, I know, I know that you're a miraculous God, that you're going to give me a victory. It happened. Then he said, no, 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 God, I'm still nervous. So then that, the next night he said, okay, God, the fleece is going to be dry on the ground wet. And it happened. But God was patient with him. I want to ask you, the miracles that have happened in your life, have, are they building you up to be a giant? Awesome. Are we, are we playing musical? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> fine. The next point, I haven't got time to talk about it. The first test. <laughs> I don't know, is this working? You know what the first faith test was after that? Pull down your family idols and replace it with an altar to God. Some of us want to do great things for God, but we think our family is in too much of a mess. They wanted to kill Him. So I want to say to you, can you focus your prayers and your faith on your family? I remember... When I got married, my father-in-law had a massive drinking problem. And we began to pray and take authority. Do you know that he stopped drinking just like that? And for 20 or 30 years before he passed away, never touched, an alcohol, never touched alcohol. When he died, that whole big bar of his, where to dispense of all that alcohol that had now matured over 30 years. Guys? I want to ask you, 
Are you truly pushing in to see your family saved? Man, I'm, there's so many amazing points here that I've got. You know what God did to Gideon? Subtraction. He subtracted the army from 32,000 down to 300 so that his faith would grow exponentially. Sometimes we see subtraction and loss of resources in our life because of our sin and we need to make changes. But how many of you know that sometimes God will allow subtraction so that your faith can grow? I want to ask you, when you have subtraction, maybe your job, maybe your business, how do you know that God doesn't want you just to grow in faith and trust Him more? Instead of you becoming dispirited, because it would have been so easy for Gideon to have packed it in. Then, giants, spiritual giants, don't use normal warfare. They use the weapons of the Holy Spirit. God said to him, no bows, no arrows, no spears, no nothing. You take a trumpet, you take a clay jar, and you take a torch. At midnight, Gideon blew his trumpet. Everyone else blew their trumpets. They broke the clay jars. The torches were suddenly there in everyone's faces, and they shouted victory. Hundreds of thousands of soldiers began to kill each other and ran for their lives because Gideon was obedient and used the weapons that God told him to use. The weapons of prayer. The weapon, you know what? You've got a problem. Are you praying in tongues? I got a, some great testimonies of praying in tongues, praying in tongues, and God providing. We sung a song about the name of Jesus. When last did you declare the authority of Jesus and His name over your problem, over our city? Yeah. What about the weapon of love? You know, Jesus never spoke back when He was put on that cross. The thief on the, on the one side of Him, He said, I'm giving you salvation. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Guys, are you with me? Because you're just thinking, I can't be, I can't be a giant for God. It's because you want to do it with the weapons of this world. Come on. And the last one is this, and it's really a tribute to you guys. When you have victory, stay the course. You know what? That youth camp is the beginning of great things. I remember my kids. Guys, it was at a camp. It was at a camp that my kids were ignited for God. The next generation, until Jesus comes, we are not going back to that cycle of sin. Come on, let's stand up. Let's stand up. Let's stand up for God. My first request, I want you to have the courage. If you're not right with God, why don't you turn to God and say, forgive me? And believe that your sins are going to be forgiven. That's all you have to say. Jesus, come into my heart. You don't have to quote the Bible backwards or crawl on, on broken glass. We cleared up all the broken glass. Just between you and God. But that 
is an exercise of courage. So most of you could just close your eyes because I want you to talk to God. If you know that today is the day that you want the cycle of bondage, of, I don't know, suicide, anxiety, self-pity, all that stuff to be broken. I want you to raise your hand and say, Graham, today, I want Jesus in my life. Come on. There's hands. Come on. I want to see. I want to see more hands. There are more people here. You need, this needs to be your day of salvation. Come on. Raise your hand high because I want to pray for you because you're saying, God, I can't do this in my own strength. I'm giving my life to you. Hands everywhere. Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, as we all say, please forgive me. Lord, I repent of living life in my own strength. I hand over to you. I ask you to forgive me. In Jesus' name, become the Lord of my life. Amen. I want to tell you, spiritual victory has been won in this service. Oh, yes. One last prayer. I want you to raise your hand and say, God, help me to become your spiritual giant. Wherever it is you want me to operate. And my family first. Come on. I don't want you to stand on a soapbox and tell your and tell your dad to stop drinking. No, I want you to allow the, the the power of the Holy Spirit to do it the way God wants with His weapons. In Jesus' name, I pray for every single family represented here. In Jesus' name, I pray for miracles. God, we're going to trust you. God, we're going to press into you. And God, we're going to see our family saved. Then a last, last prayer. God. Help us to be spiritual giants in this community, in our city, and our nation. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Amen. What a faith-raising sermon. Why don't we give the Lord a hand? Thank you, Pastor Graham. Made me want to give my life to Christ again. But maybe it's, it's your first time to give your life to the Lord and you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't. We've got a team of uh, intercessors, people who want to pray with you. Um, we're going to open that door there. We've got a, a room there, a prayer room, and we just want to pray with you or pray for you in making that decision. So if you lifted your hand and you said, I want to give my life to the Lord, uh, or even if you didn't at that time, but you know it's you, the door is open there. Why don't you go there and there's going to be someone to pray with you or you just need prayer. You can head over as we finish the service. And remember this Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. we've got Growth Track. See you there. Um, we can't wait to see you. Have a great week. God bless you and keep you.